Before we get to this week's episode, we wanted to thank all of our listeners for their awesome iTunes reviews. We've been blown away with it. We've given away a lot of shirts, so many shirts that we've run out of normal size fitting shirts for the average uh, common listener. Yeah. So uh, if you happen to be uh, a small or a kid's extra large, uh, go ahead and and write us a review and we'll get you a t-shirt. Other than that, we are just about out of all the sizes of shirts. So um, these shirts have made it to both coasts. They've made it all across the country. I'm happy to see. If you do get a shirt, take a picture of yourself wearing it. That's always fun. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your support. Here's our next episode. Welcome to Clearing the Queue with Alex and Matt. Here's how it works. Each episode starts with a friend of ours signing into their Netflix account. Together, we scroll through their queue. Ultimately, we find a movie that's been on there a little too long, and we watch it together. The best part is that every queue is unique, so it tells a story about the person. Here's a question. Are we going to record ourselves talking about the movie during the movie? No, 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 no. This is not Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's uh, Clearing the Queue. A Netflix podcast. <laughs> Our guest this week is Emperor of the World, Evan Bass. <laughs> Live from Queens. It's so early on the West Coast. Who it knows is. what's going to happen? It is. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank via, you for having me. Via satellite. I thought, you were, I, thought, I thought you were welcoming the audience or the guests. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, welcome, audience. It's... I'll be quiet. And then I realized <laughs> after the half a beat that that was my cue. Oh, yeah, that was yours. I do a lot of editing, so I might cut out that half beat so it'll just sound totally natural. But then when you explain it, people are going to be like, wait, what half beat? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. We have a very interesting backstory, how we met. Because we met through this show that you were on called We Need Girlfriends, and my old band Plush Gun did a bunch of music for it. But before I had met you in person, I had seen you in the show, and you were very much the villain of that show. And I feel like our friendship has been this long, slow, like sort of realization that this guy is not this like sociopathic, terrible person. He's like a nice dude. Okay, I wouldn't say he was the villain. I would just say he was the. uh, clear douchebag yeah he was the antagonist yes he was he was the antagonist of the group although he had a he had a a warm yeah it was like yeah he did end up being kind of an okay guy it was like a douchebag with a heart but he definitely Mm. created a lot of the conflict that the show episodes like went forward with it was interesting when that when when weenie girlfriends was on and it was popular uh because the other there's three main guys, and uh, one of them was like, I mean, Seth uh, played this guy Henry, and uh, is like the geeky nerdy guy friend that every girl fell in love with. And then there was Patrick, who played Tom, who's kind of like the every the every guy, but you also sort of feel bad for him at times. And there's my guy who's like the douchebag, and people would go up to them and like have conversations, and then the people I would get would be like. I'd be on the subway for, you know, 25 minutes, standing next to these people, and then the doors would open, and right as they're about to leave, they go, oh, I really liked you and we need girlfriends. And then they, like, <laughs> run away, because they just thought I was the douchebag. The guy you were playing. Yeah. I think one of the first things I said to you when we met was, hey, like, nice to meet you, like, between you and me, like, I'm on Team Henry. 
And I remember you were like, yeah, so am I. Like, obviously. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'd have conversations with people and like they'd end with, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You're not at all like the character. <laughs> and then and then my only response would be, yeah. Acting. <laughs> yeah, is that is more, acting. So, I mean, is it more pleasurable to do something that you're totally not? Like, because mm. you get to just put on these clothes and just... I, but then, like, you have to deal with the ramifications outside of your life because right. of it. I, I Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it because I got to be a douchebag and I'm not a douchebag. Yeah. So it was like, ooh, like, this is really interesting, but in a safe space because I'm not actually being a douchebag to right. anybody. Yeah. Uh, I get to see what it's like to be a douchebag. And it must have been kind of... It's probably kind of fun, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> and it, it teaches you... It teaches you that... It's all a matter of perspective, too, that he didn't see himself as a douchebag. And right. sometimes it was, you know, to help preserve a friendship, he was trying to maintain a certain relationship that came off douchey, but it actually was a protective thing. Or you know, Yeah, it's almost like less, it's less like he was a villain and more like really short-sighted. Like yes. just focused on one thing and sort of inability to kind of like see the world. I'll tell you my that. favorite complex douchebag is Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. Mm. Ah, someone so very gray, but like the way you just described it. Yeah, like through the lens through which he was viewing life in the first season, yeah, he was a total and utter fucking but then he, the more he was exposed, you see more. Yeah. And similarly and we need girlfriends, you had your hand cut off. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I handcuffed. I think you meant handcuffed off. Yes, um, yes. Uh, yeah, what, and and a complex douchebag is rare. Is, yeah. And I think it's a mix of that short and long sighted. Like it's lo- it's short sighted in some things, but then seeing long term in other things of like, oh yeah, I can solve this. I have these skills that nobody else has, and I have a right. plan that for some reason I've already thought up because that's what I do in my spare time. So let's do this intricate plan that is insane and crazy, but actually would work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right like yeah so but it turns out in real life you're just like a nice dude and yeah. so we really really hope so backed hope up so. queue the backed up queue before we get to the queue we do have um something special Ooh. this right here i don't know if you recognize this but this is actually uh the briefcase from the movie pulp fiction Amazing. We acquired it. And what's going to happen is normally when we have a guest in the studio, they open it up and they reach in and they grab something from it. In this okay. case, um, either Alex or I is going to have to be your surrogate hand to reach okay. in and grab something. and then we're which, gonna... which is a crossover because Bruce Willis was in both Pulp Fiction <laughs> and the, the sur- movie the Surrogate. surrogate. <laughs> yeah. So this is a very Bruce Willis themed uh, segment of our show. So, Oop, and there's a triple crossover in Die Hard, whichever one he was with, um, Samuel L. Jackson. He three. also has to open up a briefcase and put the bottles of uh, water on it. To oh, yeah. It. Man, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. I watch a lot of movies. All Bruce Willis, all time. Uh, okay, so we're opening it up. Okay. And Alex is going to go in. He's going to tell me when to something. stop. There's a bunch of cards in there. Yeah, that was excellent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let's hold it up, and then he can read it. Okay, can you read... Uh, let's... You gotta go down. Oh, uh, wait, pull back a teeny bit. N- name a movie you thought you were gonna hate, but ended up loving. I can easily do that. The movie Trolls? Like, the oh, one based wow. off of Troll Dolls? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, 
I, I put it on as my, my wife and I, we were cooking some dinner and I was like, this is going to be a real stupid movie. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's, it's musical. It's got, I think, uh, Justin Timberlake and, mm. uh, Either maybe I think Anna Kendrick is one of the other voices. Oh, Probably. Trolls um, had the Justin Timberlake song that can't stop this feeling. Yes, you know? yes, it was, yes. That was what that movie was for. That's what that song. That's was what the for. movie was for. They're like, yeah, we got a good like song. Let's make a movie. Like, no, right. And, and the first like twenty minutes, I thought that's what it was gonna kind of like built around a toy that yeah. has no storyline, right? And 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 songs, and then it actually kind of was a fun movie. Wow, I don't That's remember that movie existing. Uh, did okay, you have then, Did you have troll dolls growing up? I didn't personally have a troll doll, but I definitely must have played with them. I've seen them in person. I had like GI Joe kind of action figures. Yeah, going partial nerd. I had uh, they were like plastic figures that weren't Cabbage Patch Kids, but they were like crossover. They're like oh, they were called Muscle Men. I remember Muscle Men. Uh, hmm. They would come in big and, buckets at like uh, big buckets, yeah, and they had like like um pliers for heads and then <laughs> muscles are like different things and then going full nerd uh for a brief moment i had those like pewter figurines that you hand painted yourself oh wow yeah <laughs> that were like medieval animals of and course. like warlocks and did you actually paint them maybe <laughs> yes i remember i had a green lizard one that i painted i painted at least one I remember having some of those and just never painting them. You had the most epic Ninja Turtle collection. That's true, I did. So robust. I had Ninja Turtle, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading card collection. Ooh, interesting. The cartoon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I only had, um, I had one troll doll, and... I'm as I'm trying to formulate this memory. It's there's something that doesn't make sense because was it sitting on the end of a pencil. Yeah, and it was from like a bo- like we had like a book drive at school. Wh- why would a book drive end in a troll toy? Because if you buy enough you, books, you, you yes, the awards you, you selling you or buying. You get- you're buying or selling? That's what I don't remember. So help me or out. Were you Alex reading? I, we or went you to elementary school together. There was something about either buying or selling scholastic books. Right. And if you had enough of them, they'd give you toys. Certain no, books prizes, would come... There's prizes for winning things. Okay. The same thing with, like, um, uh, wrapping paper. Oh, like yeah. Paper. yeah. You won awards for... Or not, when you got prizes for selling a certain amount, it was, in my mind them tricking you into being their retailer for makes no making sense. no money yeah. and that you would work for prizes that if you didn't sell a certain amount, you never got. I mean, it's brilliant child labor without that getting around child labor laws. Evil. Wow. Magazine that drive. really happened. Does yeah. that still happen? I'm pretty sure. Or I mean, my brother like was a- amazing at it. My brother got all the prizes. <laughs> he had like, I mean, he must have made Hallmark like tens of thousands of dollars unbelievable, <laughs> and then got you know like the nintendo game or what or, you know nintendo game would have been better than a troll doll on the end of a pencil <laughs> i want to say you probably didn't sell that many books <laughs> probably not that doesn't seem like something i would have committed myself to <laughs> um so we're looking at your list and we'll start with this first batch here up at the top what is death note Death Note, it is based off of a Japanese uh, manga comic, a very well-known one, uh, that is about 
a uh, a very very smart high school boy who these like this other world this this book comes down and how the book works is if he writes the name of a person and how they die and the time that they die in the book um and they and he like can visualize what they look like uh-huh. then that person dies in oh. that way in like the same so it's like uh, the will ferrell movie stranger than fiction but with Arya stark as will ferrell sort of i will in stranger than fiction he he knows it's coming and it's him this one he can write any number of people in the book and so he like decides to clear the world of evil by Matt, like killing everybody by creatively like, writing um, how people die this is a new movie actually it just came out i think this week and the interesting twist on this is um it is a billion percent cultural appropriation and it it is a japanese well-known uh, com- uh manga comic book i don't know if it's manga technically i'm not great on my terminology for what makes manga or not but it's yeah. a, com- a japanese comic book it's entrenched in japanese culture in how the story plays out and uh this this film is 100 percent whitewashed i believe i believe the main character is either american or british mm. like white male a demon's notebook gives the teen a power to kill he wants revenge on the bad guys but the law thinks he's one of them and that's what always happens if you go to renegade and his father is a police is like the head police detective uh, so he, so the father is in charge of looking after, of trying to find him, essentially, find the mass murderer, even if it's a mass murderer or bad. People. Not realizing it's his own son. Does the yeah, Steve and, seems like a big does spoiler. the Steve Carell office count as cultural appropriation? <laughs> Can you have white on white appropriation? I don't think it's I don't think it's cultural appropriation because it was based off of the British office and I believe. Um, oh, um, Oh my God! Uh, what's his name? Ricky Gervais. From, thank you. Uh, Ricky Gervais was executive producer on The American Office, so it was Ricky Gervais just expanding. That is an interesting it, larger question: good. Can we appropriate culture from England? Right? <laughs> like we broke off from England, so what's what's fair game? I mean, personally, I think cultural appropriation gets a bit absurd because, like every aspect of every society is by definition cultural appropriation because we yeah totally when assimilation is cultural appropriation and it's not a cultural appropriation it's assimilation and then evolving as a culture like it's if we didn't have cultural appropriation in america by the quote-unquote definition what food would we eat (laughs) good question uh Name a food. I can name what culture gummy, we stole that from. Gummy bears. <laughs> oh, God, yes. That would be it. We'd all die of diabetes. Twink, Twinkies, gummy bears, just processed. Um, so this is interesting. Yeah, I, I'm intri- I'm very intrigued by this movie. Um, it could be really interesting. And yeah. it's fresh. It's- so I'm looking down on this queue. I'm see- There's a lot of overlap between our queues, um, which I always like. Some of these things... So, okay... We should address this. You have troll hunters in your queue. Was that when you were on your troll kick? Yeah. Is this part of the troll trilogy? The trollogy? I I, I like, I gotta say, I like kind of simple coming of age cartoon movies. 
they're usually really fun. They if if they're done well, they have oh, this is part one. I didn't realize there are multiple parts. <laughs> uh, oh wait, I think it might. I don't know if it's a TV show or not. That's why I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but usually with the like coming of age, you know, kid cartoon movies, you get the base level, which is a lot usually fun. But there's usually an additional underlying tone of being a bit smarter than most than like kids will catch. Mm, totally. So it plays to an adult or audience, which is like, oh, uh, that's an amusing nod that people won't get, but I get it, and it's kind of, you know slightly inappropriate nod like in moana when maui pees in the water on Ma- <laughs> on moana we what last week yes. we watched moana moana's great i watched that a couple weeks ago i enjoy it yes i yeah, loved I it mean, all right so troll hunters is a is a contender part yeah, one let me see if it's a tv show or not it's a no, it's, it's guillermo del toro oh huh. that's unlikely starring kelsey Grammer. Okay, if you told me, hey, I've got, wait, this, second, I've got this Guillermo it, del Toro, Kelsey Grammer. It's a TV show, though, uh, just letting you know. Yeah. Well, we don't have that kind of time. Kelsey Grammer, Guillermo del Toro TV show, though. Let's go uh, right over here to the Mel Gibson's The Beaver. Okay. Um, Oops. Oh, why is... Uh, how did you add this one to it? Because I know this this was his first movie right after his, like, low point. I added it because it won some awards and it had some talk that it was potentially one of his, his like comeback. So this is 2011 and he just came out with uh, that movie with Andrew Garfield, the war movie that got, did really well. Yeah. Um, um, so he's back now. The comeback is complete. The, the description for this movie is a depressed executive finds a strange way to cope. Letting a beaver puppet speak for him in a British accent. Yeah, it's supposedly really weird. Like, if you walked into a pitch meeting and you were like, here's the concept for my movie, and you said that, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. And then you're like, but I got Mel Gibson. Well, there was also that TV show back in the day, I can't remember the name of it, where the father, it was a comedy, a comedic TV show where the father like went down to the basement and then also just talked to himself with a puppet. I remember that. That was the knockoff of uh, Married with Children. I was literally, I was Googling this the other day. I was going on like an old WB deep dive. It was called Unhappily Ever After. Yes. And Uh, then not to be confused with the more recent Wilfred with... Oh, yeah. um, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. He has a dog, Wilfred, that is his neighbor's dog. Every time he's with the dog, he sees the dog as a human being dressed in in a dog outfit. Ah. Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes like it's a motherfucker. Dark. I always wished it was like Calvin and Hobbes, ah. but it didn't. Yeah. It's No, it's super dark. <laughs> that sounds also like Hello Kitty. Remember when it was revealed that Hello Kitty is not actually a cat, but a girl in a cat costume? I, do I did not realize this that is a, was revealed. The, the creator of Hello Kitty about a year ago in an interview was just like, yeah, she's not a cat. It's a girl in a cat costume. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's a cat. But the creator says it's a girl, and now and now it's inappropriate. Now everything, in I mean, all of exactly the places it is. Yeah. Yep. The Beaver seems like a good candidate for something that maybe you wouldn't get to, wouldn't be at the top of your list. Like this might have been on his queue since 2011. P- potentially, like this is a. How much do I really want to see how good Mel Gibson is? Right. Or, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a decent assessment. World of Tomorrow is the next thing you have. 
Cloning may be in our future, but living the best today is still the more, most important life lesson. It is a 16-minute short film, though. Yeah, 16 <laughs> minutes. Now you're speaking my language. Let's add that to the list. <laughs> what, what's White Girl? White Girl? Oh, it was... Uh, this was recommended from a friend of mine. It, it, won, it won a bunch of awards, and it's super gritty, like, sort of white privilege, but in an independent, dark mm. perspective way. A college girl romping through New York City in search of cocaine and other highs finds something real to grasp, only to see it potentially slip away. I'm going to guess the thing she finds is that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say two. And I'm, I'm going to say cliche. He'll probably be linked with some of these drugs and therefore yep. there then becomes some running thing. Totally. Who's the friend that recommended it? Because I like to know more about your relationship oh, yeah. with them and how much faith you put in this friend. Great question. Uh, well, this is uh, this is one of my best friends. So I, the reason it's on the queue is because I'm trepidatious about it, but I do trust his opinion. On Does he films. have a high success rate? Can you think of another movie well, that he suggested? No, I have a high success rate for books. He, he, said, <laughs> well, he suggested. He, this is the, he's the one who suggested Death Note. Okay. Um, that I read Death Note. Yeah. He also, that said, he also did suggest I watch Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion, which is a Japanese, like, cartoon that is insane. Yeah. You know, me and Maddie are longtime animation cartoon lovers, but neither of us are really in the anime world. Mm. Uh, I'm curious if you've even watched some of these live action adaptations, like what just came out, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Scarlet Dragon. Yeah, it was Scarlet Dragon. I, I, I've seen Ghost in the Shell, the original cartoon. I, w- I was not a fan of the whitewashing of it. Mm, not in yep. the sense of like, oh, cultural appropriation or things like that. I just think the movie likely is better in the culture in which it was first created because many of its roots lie in that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and especially with Ghost in the Shell, with the technology aspect and the trend that especially japan has in technology i think it makes it even more of an impact well if you take it out of that or cast a non-japanese actress as a japanese actress or you know right. an asian actress that it just is weird yeah that's kind of always uh, what happens it's like you can tell somebody saw the original and they were like this is amazing and like they should have just ended at that, and then instead the second idea in their head was like, let's make this in America. Yeah, and like, and and that's what I'm curious with Death Note. Um, mm. Just in the, in the way they set it up culturally, and oh, and the main character is this like high school genius who's potentially a sociopath. Mm. I like movies about where kids beat adults in something or other, whether it's murder or otherwise. Yeah, it's a very it's like aimed at the teenage age group for the audience, but at the same time is like the age group, but the niche in there that feels like they are not respected as individuals. It's mm. almost a story of, I may be young, but I'm not stupid. And you treat, and because you see me as younger, you see me as not as smart as you. And that's naive as sort of a, a theme. This sounds, this sounds great. It almost sounds like, we don't even need to I mean, watch I'm it because you've I'm de- seen it. No, I, I, have no it I have no idea how it ends or it progresses. Yeah. I'd definitely be down for it if you guys are. Um, I like um, I like just kind of in general that this cue, there is, there's like really gritty 
shit that looks like it's going to be super intense to watch and sad. And then there's straight up kids movies. And then in the middle, there's like this like young adult sci-fi kind of like those are sort of like the three themes that I'm seeing on this queue, which are and then, and then equally Bolton, exciting. Big, sexy, and then, special. which is amazing. And I've seen it and it's, I watched it twice. It's really funny. I heard it's really good. And yeah. then well, I also want to see for the love of Spock. I think that's a documentary. Yeah. That was the next one. Alex was just pointing at the, the son of actor Leonard Nimoy directs this moving look at his father's portrayal of Spock, the iconic star Trek character he's played for years. Are you a Trekkie? Uh, I, I would say I'm a Trekkie. I'm a I'm a next generation Trekkie. I mean, the, I like mm. the original as well, but I'm 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 a next generation Trekkie. I never I've watched some other ones, but I never got into the TV shows past Next Generation. Got it. I, like I could I mean I could describe the how the original series each episode played out was essentially they got into some trouble because they landed on some place they shouldn't have. Somebody gets captured, usually including Captain Kirk. Spock has warned against it. Uh, of course, these alien race are super attractive in some way, and Kirk <laughs> eventually hooks up with one of them, and then then escapes either with help of one of them or just escapes. And then there's some weird fight scene that, in today's technological CGI age, is laughably amazing. Yeah, including Camp, rock. It's, it's, it's campy. Camp, yeah. Yeah. It's now campy. Um, yeah. And then they get away, and there's you know a, a star lo- star date log, and maybe a shot of the female that was you know attractive alien, alien looking off, longing for Kirk because I don't know why she'll never see him again. He's so, but in then, hyperspace. If you could give me another like a synopsis of the next generation, because I'm curious. Oh, like, next next oh, generation. Yeah. Next, next yeah. generation. So now, like by I'm, contrast, the next generation. Next Generation adds a little a little layers compared to the original, I think. Next Generation, I would say, is uh, the Enterprise is sent for a mission that they are sort of in the dark on. In interacting with that, some aspect of one of the crew members, and it's different depending on the episode. I think that's one thing that kind of jumps from mm. the original to Next Generation. Yeah. One aspect of the crew member, of a, an individual crew member, is highlighted during the episode that usually leads to some sort of moral perspective or, or understanding. And then it, and, and then there's inevitably some sort of fight standoff and it ends with Picard boning some alien. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Picard never did. Cause they, cause, cause in next generation, there was a sexual tension between, uh, I believe Picard and, um, What's your name? Uh, the um, Crusher, uh, the medic, Whoopi Goldberg. That's what I was no, going to no, say. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Whoopi, Bold- Whoopi Goldberg is <laughs> the bartender who also has lived for a very, very long time, and you don't realize until one of the Next Generation movies and I think a two-part <laughs> Next Gen uh, a- episode. Do they ever like mention the old guys? Yeah, well, there is a crossover. There is a crossover movie oh, with hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's Generations. With uh, Kirk and Picard at the same time, because Picard essentially travels into this thing that Kirk got pulled into and then pulls him out. And so he's now existing past his time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, but and then you have like, you have Data, you've got a lot more. Data nuance. was my, fir- my earliest childhood memory of seeing one actor play 
two roles and being confused by it was the dude who plays Data because he has like an evil twin. Yeah. And I remember seeing that episode and being like, just, I think it was before I understood how that could be possible. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming you never saw like the parent trap. Yeah, with like Haley Mills. Uh, Haley Mills or. Uh, oh, that's or, a great yeah. point. Yeah. I guess or, one um, of them wasn't evil. Maybe that was the whole thing. One was like doing <laughs> yeah. bad shit. You're right, but though that yeah, I probably did see the parent trap. If data, if both datas were just helping his parents just get back together, <laughs> maybe it wouldn't have been as confusing. Um, all right, do we have a list? Because we got to pick a movie. We have a big list. Okay, um, and read us pro- what's on the list, and then let's cross some stuff off and inevitable. choose what to watch. So we've got Death Note, the uh, maybe culturally appropriate, definitely cult- culturally appropriated <laughs> yep. uh, Japanese manga comic adaptation from netflix that came out maybe a week ago um that sounds really cool and dark and badass we have troll hunters uh coming of age story about what happens <laughs> the dark side of trolls um animated but movie. it's a tv show tv show. oh that's right TV show okay cross that out. we've got 2011's uh mel gibson movie the beaver the comeback from his uh sort of big fall from grace from hollywood we have World of Tomorrow, which is a documentary about futurism. And it's 16, 16 minutes, minutes. Long. It'll be our quickest watch ever. <laughs> we have White Girl, which uh, if, if we want to talk about cultural probation, this white girl is probably going to get it served <laughs> back into her face. Um, but this was recommended by your good friend. And this is a really good test to see if he knows his shit. He also, he also recommended, though, Death Note originally. The, the book. The, uh, the, the book. Right. So... I would say the movie also could be put under. Yeah. I wonder if White Girl is based on a book. And okay, and then last is this documentary for the love of Spock, the history of the culture of Leonard Nimoy playing Spock. Great. All right. Uh, so on this list, is there anything we can cross off immediately that we definitely don't want to watch this morning? I I think we should cross off Worlds of Tomorrow because it's only sixteen minutes. Okay. If, but fine. But that's just if you guys really <laughs> want to do that. No, no, no. We can cross it off. Right? I mean, I know my preference on this, but I don't know if that's the way to go. I yeah, it is the way to go. If you've got a go. strong, if you've got a gut feeling, I get a lot of it. guests. We get a lot of guests that are wishy washy that need a lot of help, but you're not oh, no, that I, guy. I, I mean, I I feel like now that we've talked about Death Note a bunch, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it could be it could be a crash and burn. Anything could, could be a crash really and cool. burn. I, I mean, yeah. I just hope that there's a douchebag antagonist that we can sort of. <laughs> Oh, there, I mean, there is, there's this this like alien creature juice bag antagonist. Great. I think we should watch Death Note because we've talked about it the most and fuck Mel Gibson and the other movies look a little bit more maybe challenging for 9 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> for us. For us. It's, I realize it's now noon where you are. So I think we should, I, I think all signs are pointing to us watching Death Note. I'm game. Great. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause the recording. We're going to each go off into our respective television viewing places. The audience is going to hear the trailer for Death Note. And then, oh, it's starring Willem Dafoe. This is great. And Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, we're definitely going to go watch this. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Cool. So, uh... Are you going to play Engage. Oh, sorry. I'm going to No, I'm going to add that in post. Yeah. Uh, I'm not actually uh, going to do that. Yeah. Now. Did I say that right? Engage? Enge- enhance. Engage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, engage. That's a uh, next generation. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, let's go watch this movie and uh, we'll see you in an hour and 40 minutes. All the people that make life miserable. 
Make life dangerous. What if we can change things? The human whose name is written in this note shall die. Shall we begin? God. Yes. What exactly can I do with this death note? Put your name down and see what happens. It's not going to solve a few crimes. It's going to solve all crime. Do you think that I'm crazy? I think you're not crazy enough. We could change the world. The killer has taken credit for over 400 deaths. Although we do not know how he kills his victims, we do know he's not some omnipotent force. He's a person. Like you or me. You're the one who flew into the sun. I'm just here to make sure you burn. We're not the good guys anymore. Hope you know what you're doing. You, you will not survive. <laughs> we watched Death Note, and you seemed disappointed. You uh, let me. You, you, I've, I've, I've read majority of the books. I know. So. Yeah. So, so interested to first. I want to hear your like un, uh, unfiltered impression before I. Let's do the recap. Light um, Turner is yeah. the name of the main character who gets the book. Yep. Randomly. It's like this old journal, and it has all these rules in it. And it, essentially, the main one is, if you write down somebody's name in the book, that person dies. He figures it out very quickly. Yeah. And it uh, tells his sec- shares a secret with his crush. And when he gets the book, Willem Dafoe shows up as a demon to kind of explain to him the rules. And the first thing he does is he writes down the name of a school bully. And he says, this guy's going to get decapitated. And then the guy gets decapitated. Light and his girlfriend, Mia, they decide to, to expand and not just kill the school bully. But they basically watch TV, look for terrible people, and then kill them remotely by writing their name in the book. Then there is this subplot with L, played wonderfully by Lakeith Stanfield, who <laughs> was trained from birth in an orphanage to be a child detective by eating sugar and sleeping a lot. So basically, so L is basically trying to figure out who's behind all of these mass killings. Is There's a sort of cat and mouse game where L kind of knows that Light is the killer and Light sort of knows that L knows, but he can't kill him because he doesn't know his real name. And in order to kill somebody, you need to know their face and their real name, yeah. not just the letter. That Two levels by. of protection. L loses his cool. He goes from being the coolest man in the room <laughs> yep. to just losing his shit. <laughs> Grabbing a gun, chasing after a high school kid. Oh. I don't know. How does this wrap up? Uh, eventually, Light stays good, and although his girlfriend dies because of the the book consumes her, and for lack of a better word, the, her jealousy and her need for the book, yeah. Light ties up a few loose ends and sort of stays in possession of the book, or so we think. That seems to be loosely the resolution. But, yeah. But, who knows? The end of this movie didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
So some of the, my take is that some of the better part it, it wasn't a very tight movie in terms of the story and it, it over it jammed in a, too many things so a lot of the most interesting bits they couldn't explore but that even like the best parts like maybe like the L character and his backstory even those really started to fall apart under scrutiny like his character totally changes so it's like it's hard to get a feel for we were talking about Spock before the movie, and I had even written down, like, oh, L's kind of like a cool, mysterious Spock character. But then halfway through the movie, he starts, like, flipping out and, like, running around like yeah. a chicken with his head cut off. And I'm like, L, we had something. Yeah. There was not a lot of commitment to the characters, nor was there really any commitment to the rules of the book. Like, they'd have these very specific rules, and then they'd be like, well, we're going to ignore that one for the sake of this particular plot line. Oh yeah. The so owner, yeah. the owner, the ownership rule, like so. They even reference in the book that this Death Note book had a lot of rules. Like yeah. it was like a wink, wink. This book has so many fucking rules. Yeah. Which did little did we know was foreshadowing that we would not be able to follow these rules. Yeah. But the big one that really hurt the whole comprehension was the rule of ownership, right? Like yeah. who can write on the book, and maybe it's... you can help clear that up <laughs> for us. Well, okay, so in, in the in the manga comic, which, I, as I said, I'm only three quarters of the way through the whole thing, but that yeah. uh, that's, I think I finished four out of six books. Um, so two-thirds of the way note, through. There's no girlfriend. <laughs> I was going to ask that. She felt- there's no girlfriend. In, in, this, is the, this is the cultural appropriation thing. Yeah. Uh, he is one, I, and I think I texted Mac, Matt this, um, like in the first two minutes it started going off course because... The main character who plays oh, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Plays uh, plays plays light. light um, is like a high school genius who has a higher moral code, and so the fact that the first two minutes of this film is like your introduction to him is he's doing somebody else's homework and cheating for them for money, <laughs> uh, like yeah. essentially sets forth this is not that guy who's right. got a higher moral code, and he's like he's got in the in the books he's got a higher moral code. He does he's so. Uh, focused on like being a genius and this death, the the death note that he doesn't really think about girls. He sort of like mm. he sort of goes on like a date, but it's almost like it's a Japanese uh, strict cultural date. So they right. like walk to the mall together. None of this like oh we just met now we're having sex and making out and yeah. I love you yeah okay, right so so that, that um, and it's and it's like unclear it's. It's like it's, he's kind of a nerd and awkward, and yet then he's also not at all that. Yes, and oh yeah, in, and so in the book, to my knowledge, the owner of it is the only one who can write in it. They can take pieces of yeah. it off, and they can. And in the in the manga, he like takes pieces and hides pieces in different places, so he could write a name on a small sheet, and it looked like he's not writing in the book like people would not oh, be able I to see. recognize it so he right. like hides it in i think he does hide it in a calculus book he hides it in another book so he could like be doing calculus and then write it l is weird but he's not whatever the heck was in this movie <laughs> yeah like the only thing they kept in the movie was that he like hides his face a lot for in the public and he's barefoot a lot he likes being oh, barefoot yeah. he's always There's- Standing on like, chairs, squatting on chairs. Yeah, yeah. He says squatting on chairs is in the comic. Um, the candy <laughs> is an Americanized thing. He like oh weird. Just eats, he like eats normal Japanese food. But just, like, what about but, the like, sleep? What about the on. sleep stuff? The sleep things. A little bit. He has like a weird, like staying up longer, but not any. And Watari is in it, 
but Watari doesn't like sing him songs and doesn't like <laughs> give him weird sleep glasses. He just is like, when was the last time you slept? Oh, you've been up for 40 hours straight. That's probably messing with your focus. Yeah. Well, there's a really badass line from L again. So like, that was probably my favorite part. The idea that there's a really smart detective yeah. after this God that's just like, you know, and my favorite line was when he's in the restaurant with light and he says like, like I don't go for check. I only go for checkmate. Oh yeah. So, but then he doesn't, but then he doesn't ever. Checkmate. And he, re- and he reveals his face, right? So if there's two levels of identity protection, like yeah. face and name, yeah. he gives up the face yeah. for no real reason. No, no checkmate there. No, no. In, yeah. In the, the main duality in the book series is light versus L in the original source material, yeah. let's call it. Yeah. Uh, they're both geniuses. They both believe they have the moral high ground and they both are borderline sociopath in the meticulous nature in which they plan and pursue their end goal. Right. Yeah. That uh, sounds like an interesting movie. <laughs> yeah. Or a 10 part series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but there, and there is, the, and there are the rules except for they respect them and they're, and they're given <laughs> off uh, over time. Almost like, you ever read in wedding, uh, in wedding crashers? Never leave a crasher <laughs> behind. Yes, like I think how they. Well, the one that came to me was the book. Um, it was either Jurassic Park or Lost World, where each chapter started with like a little chromosome thing as a picture. But it like each chapter you got. I think in 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 this each each new like section you got a new rule. Yeah, like but it was like Zombieland. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This this could have used a, a little. It did feel like a TV show where it's like they had all these different chapters, but everything just got kind of mashed together and like yeah. really sped up. At least to me, this one went from zero to like a hundred really quick in really quick. introducing the girlfriend like relationship, and then she sort of takes over, yeah. and it's like, ah. Uh, Clearly, I was abused when I was a kid, and now I'm getting back at everybody. Or like, right. I was I was expecting at the end for her to kill her father in a really horrible way because it revealed her father abused her or something. Like, totally, I, I, there was no motivation for why she was so fucked. Yeah, up. there was no. very little was earned between characters and relationships, yeah. and that's what made like the L stuff like. There's like this throwaway line about how his origin is that he's like part of this breed of of, of detectives <laughs> that get super mini detectives. And I'm like, I want to see more of that, yeah. and not mm-hmm. just like uh, have it just be a one way throw throwaway line. Yeah. You know, and you we mentioned the show Daredevil earlier, yeah. which I think is one of the best Marvel adaptations. And part of the reason is they spend about like 15 minutes talking about like side villains backstories. Like they go to like flashbacks, and I remember like yeah. in the prison yep. of these Russian. Uh, mobsters and like you kind of it earns like anything they'll do going forward that they're willing to like yeah yeah i mean i think i think arrow season one tried to do that but it was like the cw's version of Mm. daredevil so it was less gritty yeah season one and two of daredevil are definitely my favorite superhero tv show seasons because i think they went i mean daredevil in and of himself is really dark and sort of not go dark would be a disservice. No, no, that, but think, they, they explain a lot of very mystical things very well in that show by giving it more time in a way that, yeah. like, this had some very mystical things, but it was just like, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, yeah, I mean, the backstories on the villains, as you said, in Daredevil make you 
understand the duality of what's going on. I mean, Ryuk, in the, in the manga, you actually see the other world yeah. some. And, and them being like, what the heck is this fool doing? Like, let's just sit and be idiots and, you know, gods in our world. What did the right. apple yeah, mean? What does the apple mean? Do the, or the if apple, anything. I'm, I, <laughs> he's, uh, so in, in the manga, uh, Ryuk just, like, really likes apples. And so... That's what I got from it. Uh, and, <laughs> but, but he, he uh, Light uses it to uh, entice Ryuk to do things for him in the manga. So yeah. when there were these cameras hidden in the room... He was like, I got an apple for you. If you can identify all the cameras, let's make mm. it a game. And then that, so he used Ryuk to get what he wanted without trading Ryuk for anything. Makes sense. I looked up ma- ma- uh, manga, by the way. So it's basically like the old champagne type thing. Like any comics that are made in Japan are manga. Ah, so you can make comics in the style of manga anywhere else, but it wouldn't be called... It's just in the style. Like, like the, champagne. The nice. spark, it's the sparkling yeah. wine of, of comics. And I guess in, <laughs> in, they have, in manga, there's subsets that are targeted to like kids. So there's like the more like Pokemon style. Then there's like the more adult shit, which yeah. is like this stuff. There was one thing that I appreciated. Hannah and I have been watching a lot of X-Files recently, early X-Files. And X- it was all shot in Vancouver, and so every episode looks like the Pacific Northwest, even if it is supposed to take place in like Florida or Tennessee. So we have like a running joke that there'll be an episode where they're like, they on the bottom of the screen, it'll say like Mobile, Alabama, and it'll just be like gray and like green trees and mountains, and it's clearly Vancouver. And uh-huh. I like that in this movie, they just let it take place in Seattle so that it was fine that it was clearly shot in Vancouver. Like they're like, yeah, Seattle. That looks similar enough. That'll be that'll work. So I appreciate. Well, they had that. They had that initial Seattle skyline right. shot. Yeah, in the that stock footage. Senate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was also so there was the stock footage in the opening, and then there was. I don't know if you noticed during the outro credits, but there were like outtakes. There were like. <laughs> I actually, as soon as the credits rolled, I turned that off. I I couldn't do it. Honestly, I was like, it- <laughs> it's worth watching because the outro credits. Despite the fact that this was like an act, almost an action horror movie, the outro credits are like a blooper reel, which is I think, just I think if so this was a weird comedy, stylistically. I think if they made this a comedy, it would have worked better. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was almost, there were moments of it that were really absurd and funny. Like my favorite moments were like the Willem Dafoe goofball stuff, like things that were, that felt kind of tongue in cheek. I felt like they pulled him back though. I felt like if, I would have wanted, well, one, get rid of Mia, yep. two, let let William Defoe out. Like, William Defoe, I know people sometimes crap on um, Boondock Saints. Oh, I love that. William William Defoe in Boondock Saints is, like, letting him free, and yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, incredible. Who craps on Boondock Saints? I, I, some people think it's a very, like, bro movie. Maybe it's a Boston thing. I mean, you know. I like it, yeah, and it's yeah, it's set in Boston, and yeah, because I I love it. I think of that as being a great movie, and I think of him as just being transcendent in that. Like, there's no other, there's no character like that in yeah. other movies. Uh, well, and I also thought it it was a really interesting, like, directorial uh, choice to have lack of story, lack of real relationships, kind of this very bizarre. Like when he first meets Ryuk in the 
chemistry lab or wherever the place is that has a jar of marbles. Yeah. Uh, and he gets locked in the space and then he's like, oh, this wind thing, which is yeah. a little over the top. Yeah. And yet, like, every death had a little too much graphic blood. Yeah. Like, the, when they cut the head off, it stayed on there a beat longer <laughs> than it normally should. Yep. So that you could see... Like the piece of the head on the ground and the, and the stuff. Yeah. And then when people landed, instead of cutting <laughs> away, you like see them splat for just a half a beat longer yeah. to be like, oh, you actually spent a lot of money on that and then cut away. Totally. Yeah. And every time. Like it wasn't yeah. just once. It was that every time a character died, you saw a little more blood than you were expecting to. Also, I was just like, okay, we're going to have a task force, but it's going away real quick. Real quick. Yeah, I could. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was just too much crammed into this. Maybe it was like actually a four hour long movie and they shot it and it's really interesting story and they did a good job. And then they were like, oh, we got to cut it. Let's just keep the action part and do mine. It kind of felt like that. Yeah, it felt it felt really bizarrely edited and condensed. Um, is there anything else that you want to, oh, from your yeah. notebook that you want to Yeah, mention? I had a couple, like, proposed alternate names for this. One could be called just Manslaughter, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to fo- follow, like, the waiter in that one flashback where the mobster gets killed. Like, that guy just oh, had, yeah, like, with the knife. Like, just, yeah. That guy just had, like, a shitty day. That guy's like, fuck, what, honey, what happened to you? Like, man, I slipped on this salt shaker and killed this guy. <laughs> like, I and just... Wait, well, no, I slipped on a salt shaker, and the steak knife went up in the air, somehow got to the other side of him, and stabbed him in the front of the up, throat. Yeah, like up that, the throat. that waiter just like just had the shittiest day. Like, man, I got to deal with this manslaughter stuff. Like, so there's manslaughter in the movie. The other one we called "With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility." Side, which is a bit of a mouthful. Which is about a bit of a mouthful. And then the other best part was with again with Mia, who we're just shitting on constantly. Yeah, was. Right when they're in the groove of the whole killing thing, they got the hang of it. They're sitting on the couch. He's like, "Hey, what are we gonna do tonight? Like, let's get some popcorn, and uh, we can go find some names." And then I looked at Maddie and I just said, "Netflix and kill." <laughs> so that's all I had written. Yeah, that's. I, 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 have, I have some alternative titles. I'm just coming up with now. Um, how about? Uh, Oops, I forgot about the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't know. Dun dun dun. Not invested. <laughs> yeah. Rushed hour. <laughs> Rushed hour, man. <laughs> yeah, so, I am more yeah. interested to read the comic, I will say that. Yeah. Because I definitely, I definitely yeah. highly recommend it, and it is really good. And I will now actually finish it because I need to cleanse my brain of this film. Yeah, we don't yeah. hold your friend responsible for making us watch this. No, I mean, there were some no, good things no, about I'm it. Gonna... We do need to rate this movie. And the old Netflix system was the star system, but the new Netflix system is just a straight thumbs up, thumbs down. So basically, if you like it, you give it a thumbs up. If you don't, you give it a thumbs down. And that's how it predicts what else you're going to like. Can I, can I, can we do that? And um, can I introduce a new rating system that yes. I have? Oh, I have of course. Of? Yeah. Um, so I, I do it on the, uh, the DC Marvel superhero movie spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I would say ranges from Avengers slash Captain America Civil War all the way down to Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. And, and you know, there's the different ones fall along those spectrums. Yeah, totally. Are we doing the thumbs up, thumbs down, or are we doing yeah, the star system? Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. This is right on the line. Um, because it didn't, it didn't need to be anything fantastic or great. 
and it was entertaining. It kept me interested in like all the like the trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. Ah, oh, I'm gonna go thumbs. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Wow. Thumbs yeah. up. You had me thinking you were going to say thumbs, thumbs up. Down. Thumbs up. It was fun. Uh, I'd like to see better versions of this type of movie. Yeah. Hopefully. So that's yeah. my hope. All right. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I enjoyed the 90 minutes, but I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I'm going to give it a thumbs down, and I'm going to say I did not enjoy the 90 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to say... Uh, Fair. If, if I wasn't doing this podcast... Even though I actually am sort of OCD on finishing movies I start, I might have not finished this movie and then maybe come back to it on an airplane where I could fall asleep and then start it again, try and finish it again. Yeah. I have, a, I have a philosophy that any movie that you start and don't finish, you're never going to enjoy. On a scale of uh, Batman vs. Superman all the oh, way yeah. through Avengers, where would you put this? Um. This was like an Ang Lee's Hulk. Yep, I'm I'm 100% with you. <laughs> Ang Lee's Hulk, I would 100% agree. Like you if you saw it in the theaters, you wouldn't leave, but when you're done, you're like, "Oh, why the fuck was did that? they make that movie?" Yeah. Yeah. Like did they ever did, does he know who the character is? Yeah. Has he read a whole comic book? <laughs> All right. Cool mutant dogs. All right, why not? Um, this was a mess. Before we wrap up, do you have any plugs? Where can our where should we point our listeners if they want more bass? If they want more to turn bass? if they want to uh, turn the bass up. Uh I guess I mean I have a website, evanbass.com. In the news section is always kind of links to things that I'm up to. Uh in New York, I've been performing with a comedy troupe, The Usual Rejects. Uh, which can be found, I think, online and on Facebook. And that one's a fun comedy troupe. We do uh, live-action stage readings uh, with integrated drinking game of kind of crappy action movies. Love it. Also, uh, electronicbass.com has some comedic and less comedic things that I've produced. And if you like the theme song for Clearing the Queue, you'll love the theme song for Buddy Cops, the original web series. Oh, yes. Because I did the music for both. You did amazing music for that. Well, this was so fun to have you on. And although the movie was a disappointment, because we watched it, you are now one step closer to clearing the queue. That was Clearing the queue. If you have heard anything you like or know that we were just dead wrong about, you can email us at uh, clearingthequeue at gmail.com. Q is spelled Q-U-E-U-E. That's a tough one. And if your thoughts are funny, we'll read it on air. Follow us on Twitter at CTQ Podcast, Instagram at Clearing the queue, Facebook.com slash Clearing the queue. Subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>